Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 16th episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at numbers 1539 through 1553 of the Catechism. 2. The Sacrament of Holy Orders in the Economy of Salvation. The Priesthood of the Old Covenant, 1539. The chosen people was constituted by God as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But within the people of Israel, God chose one of the twelve tribes, that of Levi, and set it apart for liturgical service. God himself is its inheritance. A special rite consecrated the beginnings of the priesthood of the Old Covenant. The priests were appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. 1540. Instituted to proclaim the word of God and to restore communion with God by sacrifice and prayers, this priesthood remained nevertheless powerless to bring about salvation, needing to repeat its sacrifices ceaselessly and being unable to achieve a definitive sanctification which only the sacrifice of Christ would accomplish. 1541. The liturgy of the church, however, sees in the priesthood of Aaron and the service of the Levites, as in the institution of the seventy elders, a prefiguring of the ordained ministry of the new covenant. Thus, in the Latin rite, the Church prays in the consecrated prayer of the ordination of bishops. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by your gracious word, you have established the plan of your Church. From the beginning you chose the descendants of Abraham to be your holy nation. You established rulers and priests and did not leave your sanctuary without ministers to serve you. 1542. At the ordination of priests, the the church prays, Lord, Holy Father, when you had adopted high priests to rule your people, you chose other men next to them in rank and dignity to be with them, to help them in their task. You extended the spirit of Moses to 70 wise men. You shared among the sons of Aaron, the fullness of their father's power. 1543. In the consecrated prayer for the ordination of deacons, the church confesses, Almighty God, you made the church, Christ's body, grow to its full stature as a new and greater temple. You enrich it with every kind of grace and perfect it with a diversity of members to serve the whole body in a wonderful pattern of unity. You established a threefold ministry of worship and service, for your glory, for the glory of your name, and ministers of your tabernacle you chose, the sons of Levi, and gave them your blessing as their everlasting inheritance. The One Priesthood of Christ, 1544. Everything that the priesthood of the Old Covenant prefigured finds its fulfilment in Christ Jesus, the one true mediator between God and men. The Christian tradition considers Melchizedek, priest, of God the Most High, as a prefiguration of the priesthood of Christ, the unique high priest after the order of Melchizedek, holy, blameless, unstained. By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, that is, by the unique sacrifice of the cross. 1545. The redemptive sacrifice of Christ is unique, accomplished once for all, yet it is made present in the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Church. The same is true of the one priesthood of Christ. It is made present through the ministerial priesthood, without diminishing the uniqueness of Christ's priesthood. 
only Christ is the true priest, the others being only his ministers. Two participants in the one priesthood of Christ. 1546. Christ, high priest and unique mediator, has made of the church a kingdom, priests for God and Father. The whole community of believers is as such priestly. The faithful exercise of their baptismal priesthood, through their participation each according to his own vocation, in Christ's mission as priest, prophet and king. Through the sacrament of baptism and confirmation, the faithful are consecrated to be a holy priesthood. 1547. The ministerial or hierarchical priesthood of bishops and priests and the common priesthood of all the faithful participate, each in its own proper way, in the one priesthood of Christ. While being ordered one to another, they differ essentially. In what sense? While the common priesthood of the faithful is exercised by the unfolding of baptismal grace, the life of faith, hope and charity, a life according to the Spirit, the ministerial priesthood is at the service of the common priesthood. It is directed at the unfolding of the baptismal grace of all Christians. The ministerial priesthood is a means by which Christ unceasingly builds up and leads his church. For this reason it is transmitted by its own sacrament, the sacrament of holy orders. In the person of Christ the head, 1548, in the ecclesial service of the ordained minister, it is Christ himself who is present to his church as the head of the, his body, shepherd of his flock, high priest of the redemptive sacrifice, teacher of truth. This is what the church means by saying that the priest, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, acts in persona Christi Capitis. It is the same priest, Christ Jesus, whose sacred person his minister truly represents. Now the minister, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, is truly made like to the high priest and possesses the authority to act in the power and place of Christ himself. Virtute ac personam ipsius Christi. Christ is the source of all priesthood. The priest of the old law was a figure of Christ, and the priest of the new law acts in the person of Christ. 1549. Through the ordained ministry, especially that of bishops and priests, the presence of Christ as head of the church is made visible in the midst of the community of believers. In the beautiful expression of St. Ignatius of Antioch, the bishop is tipos tu patros. He is like the living image of God the Father. 1550. This presence of Christ in the minister is not to be understood as if the latter were preserved from all human weakness, the spirit of domination, error, even sin. The power of the Holy Spirit does not guarantee all acts of ministers in the same way. While this guarantee extends to the sacraments, so that even the minister's sin cannot impede the fruit of grace, in many other acts the minister leaves human traces that are not always signs of fidelity to the gospel and consequently can harm the apostolic fruitfulness of the church. 1551. This priesthood is ministerial. That office which the Lord committed to the pastors of his people is in the strict sense of the term service. It is entirely related to Christ and to men. It depends entirely on Christ and on his unique priesthood. It has been instituted for the good of men and the communion of the church. The sacrament of holy orders communicates a sacred power which is none other 
than that of Christ. The exercise of this authority must therefore be measured against the model of Christ, who, by love, made himself the least and the servant of all. The Lord clearly said that concern for his flock was proof of love for him. In the name of the whole church, 1552. The ministerial priesthood has the task not only of representing Christ, head of the church, before the assembly of the faithful, but also of acting in the name of the whole church when presenting to God the prayer of the church, which above all is offered in the Eucharistic sacrifice. 1553. In the name of the whole church does not mean that priests are the delegates of the community. The priests, the prayer and offering of the church are inseparable from the prayer and offering of, of Christ, her head. It is always the case that Christ worships in and through his church. The whole church, the body of Christ, prays and offers herself through him, with him and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, to God the Father, the whole body, caput et membra, prays and offers itself, and therefore those who, in the body, are especially his ministers, are called ministers not only of Christ, but also of the Church. It is because the ministerial priesthood represents Christ that it can represent the Church. Okay, a fairly long section, and here we're into the essence of what is the... Um, the, the Sacrament of Orders in the Catholic Church. And it's this, um, this distinction. I suppose in English we're kind of at a little bit of a, a disadvantage because um, we don't really have the proper terminology. Because the word priest in English is the, uh, comes from the, the Greek presbuteros where we also get the word presbyter. But uh, but the word presbyter isn't really used in common language. So we have priest, but unfortunately we use the English word priest to translate the, the term sacerdos, sacerdotal, which is the priest of the Old Testament, the pagan priesthood, which is something that is essentially very different to the Christian priesthood. And so we confuse ourselves by by giving by using the same word for the two concepts. And so, therefore, it gets kind of complicated. And then we have the priesthood of all the baptized, that everybody is called to be a priest. Every baptized Christian has a priestly function, that they are, rep they are representing Christ. They are this bridge, this pontifex, this bridge between the divine and this world. Every Christian, every baptized person is called to bring forth Christ, to bear Christ, to open the possibility for all people they meet, to meet God the Father. This is the role of every Christian. And then the ministerial priest, in a sense, has a role within the church. And that's what this was talking about in this section today, talking about how the priest can help in the church. Again, in this section, um, it, it always kind of conflates priests and, and bishops together. And to be honest, it kind of leaves the deacons for the very end. But anyway, it's got this, um, this is what we're, we're looking at, that the, 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 the ministry. And again, remember that the priesthood or the, or the episcopacy or the diaconate are ministries in the church, which means they are ways to serve the church because the lay faithful are more important than the priests and the bishops and the deacons. 
I know sometimes we don't live it that way. I know sometimes the, the priest or the bishop tends to think he is more important or act as if he's more important. And that really isn't the case, that they're the service, servants. This is why the Pope has the title Servus Servorum Dei, the slave of the slaves of God or the servant of the servants of God. And that this is really the way to understand the priesthood as an act of service and kind of doing within the church what every Christian is called to do in the world. So there's making God present within the church so that God, so that uh, every Christian can be strengthened to make God present in the world they're living in. And uh, again, it's a, it's a beautiful sacrament. It's a beautiful, um, a beautiful section of the catechism. Unfortunately, we're already kind of, uh, we're already going over time. So only to say that, again, we had to divide it some way. And so we're following this division of the catechism. And unfortunately, some days have so much text that there isn't much time to comment on it. But people are always welcome to go back and to read and to look at it. Also, there are some very beautiful prayers being quoted from the different rites of ordination uh, to help us understand what this, what this sacrament is about. This triple sacrament, how does it, um, what is it about? What does it mean? What does it do? So again, uh, we'll continue tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 1554 to 1571. God bless.